Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin, session number three. Hey everybody, I'm your host Tom Traplin, and today on the show we have Jacob Alden Stanley of Denver, Colorado, the owner of Adventurer's Quarter, a name that I mispronounce at least twice during the show. He has a different perspective on the business due to his prior history in the wider games industry. We go over a bunch of topics important to running a game store, and we go into one specifically that is not generally well understood. Every game retailer needs distributors in order to have products to sell, but the process of finding wholesalers is not obvious to the uninitiated. No worries, Jacob has the inside info for you. So with that in mind, allow me to introduce you to the owner of Adventurers' plural quarter. Start off, how did you get into the business? What were you, what were you doing before you opened the game store? And why did you get into it? Uh, I was working for Privateer Press, who makes War Machine and Hordes, for like Ooh. four years. And uh, I ran their resin manufacturing, so I lived kind of in the game industry. And then uh, eventually worked for them long enough that I wasn't uh, having the best time. So a friend mm. of mine was wanting to open a game store at some point because it was kind of his dream. And I was like, sure, I could do that. I know everything about that. I hang out at game stores all the time. <laughs> that seems like a good fit. Yeah. So we moved out to, from Seattle to here in Colorado and opened up a store with him and eventually got bored and ran off and now I own the whole thing so works pretty well from a starting point <laughs> okay cool when you decided to just open up a game store what was the process like how much well without getting like super specific how much did each of you put in like was it half half initially to like rent the place buy the stock or did you have something set up previously uh mostly since it was a friend of mine I mean he'd made decent money doing real estate i didn't really make anything but i i knew how to run a game store because i'd been in and out of the game industry for long enough and i so i basically just provided a lot of labor and know-how because he doesn't he kind of was a nerd more or less but i Hmm. played a lot of board games rpgs war games like i kind of knew the entire concept of the business together okay Um, so uh, he didn't really have that to bring along, so I just kind of said, I will give you labor if you give me money. <laughs> so he was nice enough to contribute that half. And, I mean, specifics of the, you know, the basics of, like, owning a game store is probably that you need, like, for a small space, like 60 grand, <laughs> mm. which is not easy to do. And if you have to take out a loan, you'll probably kill yourself trying to pay it back for sure. Yeah, Probably. Oh, that's a definitely a good number to keep in mind for somebody who's thinking about it themselves. Mm-hmm. Since this is somewhat more magic-focused, how much does uh, magic, like what uh, portion of your business is magic? Uh, probably, depending on the month uh, and online sales, <laughs> about mm-hmm. uh, 20 to 40% of a business is probably singles or sealed product. That's fairly large for a single game. Yeah, and I mean, we... 
honestly, I mean, my store has, you know, between 8 to 16 people doing F&M, and that's about it. And it's fairly small in terms of players, but the online card presence is, is fairly substantial. Interesting. So was uh, the online presence part of the business plan initially, or did you roll into that later on? Uh, it was kind of part of it. The uh, Our POS software is built very specifically for game stores, and especially for Magic. Mm-hmm. So it syncs with TCG Player, and we just thought, that's cool, maybe that'll come in handy. And, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. as we accumulated more and more cards over time, we inventory every single one. So, like, we have 45,000 cards. They're all electronically inventoried. The prices update once or twice a week. And you can find any card you're looking for just by typing it in, which is really handy. Yeah, that sounds really nice. How long have you owned a store? I've been open since last September, so literally like a year and one month probably. Any rough patches, any failures or problems that you uh, encountered opening the store or during the process that you had to deal with? Uh, a few, for sure. <laughs> Usually uh, Yeah, uh, there's always the easy thing, never start a credit card. Uh, that's step one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, mostly it was uh, just carrying what people wanted. We started off thinking, you know, people like big war games like Warhammer and War Machine. We tried to carry those and had zero success with them. Mm-hmm. And literally just like sold them all 50% off just trying to get them out of the store to make space because it was just taking up so much room. That's interesting. It's it's funny the things you carry that are like, this is a popular game. Surely it's going to sell. And then you just kind of waste a year looking at it and go, that was stupid. (laughs) Why do you think uh, like miniatures, tabletop stuff didn't work? Was it just your area? Didn't have the players to support it? Yeah, it was kind of a niche uh, Colorado especially. Uh, every every store in the area does kind of one or two things at most, and they all play at that place versus your place versus gotcha. the other place. So it's just a... Someone else already had it. Yeah, just kind of happenstance. Okay. So sell everything 50% off, clear out the, the space, move in with something else that'll hopefully sell. Yeah, the, the one thing to learn is, uh, I guess... Uh, only carry what your players ask for. So, uh, <laughs> so we've got a literally a war game that nobody else in Colorado carries. I guess it's some little game out of Spain called Infinity, and like we've mm-hmm. gone hard on it, and because we have like sixteen players now, like it's a huge thing. It fills up the store every week, and uh, you know, carrying crazy things like hey, it's a billion dollar company like Games Workshop. We'll carry all that stuff. Nope, don't need to. <laughs> Only carry what the people are asking for. So how did they get into that? Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, I guess they played at a, another store, but they stopped kind of carrying the product for them. Uh-huh. So and they then, built the community for you. That's nice. Yep. And we just kind of captured it when we moved in because they liked our space more. I guess it was you know, better lit, nicer tables, that kind of thing. <laughs> Perfect. So is play space really important to your store or is it kind of the halfway point? It's like having, tr- it's very important. I mean, we try to run regular events every night of the week. So, I mean, if we didn't have space for for magic players or you know for anyone to come by and just meet new people, I think it wouldn't really work. Because hmm. we're not as we're not in like a mall or anything. We're kind of in a little small town kind of walking area. So, you know, walking traffic happens, but mostly being a destination is pretty important. 
Okay. That's that's what I figured. Yeah. I'm just wondering different uh, different businesses have different levels of interactivity with their customers. Mm-hmm. Like there's the warehouse model where you just ever offer everything <laughs> cheap, right? Yeah, there's there's quite a few of those usually. Yeah, there's so you gotta compete with the online market. Some of those guys just like to knock everything percentage off and live off the margins. <laughs> yeah, doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Personally. But uh okay, so that's great. Uh what about uh something that's been really exciting, like a big win you've had from the store in the last year, besides being you know, opening up for the first time, <laughs> being really excited about that. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, one, uh, going to huge conventions like Denver <laughs> Comic-Con was super successful for us. So that was really interesting to meet a whole bunch of people and sell a bunch of games and uh, get good responses from folks. But more recently, just a little like branching out kind of things. Like uh, we're doing basically something like a loot crate for board games and magic and that kind of thing. So you just pay a one-time fee and, you know, every other month we charge you again and you get a like a $40 box full of board games or sleeves or random magic cards, that kind of thing. Interesting. And, it, and it's kind of a... hadn't really been done before with board games, I guess. And uh, so we've been getting pretty good traction on it and getting some really interesting kind of marketing avenues out there through other... Uh, channels on YouTube and that kind of thing. So I think it has a lot of potential to be kind of the next best thing. Very neat. Very neat. So do you, you talked about YouTube, do you make videos or are you talking about advertising? (laughs) Uh, I don't make videos yet. Uh, Luckily I just know some folks that like a board game corner is like a spot that reviews basically board games and occasionally I guess game stores now. So Mm -hmm. they'll be kind of, they've got like, 2,000 views per their channel usually for every video they put out. So it's worthwhile kind of place for a local avenue. Yeah, that's some pretty good reach. So what does your uh, typical day look like as a game store owner? I'm assuming you're also the operator too, right? <laughs> uh, yes, it's me and a uh, partial co-owner at the moment usually. Uh, so it's um, usually just getting in there 30 minutes early, ideally, so that people don't walk in while I'm trying to initially do what I need to do, which is, you know, reply to distributor emails, uh, ship out as many uh, magic cards for TCG, try to pull all those orders and find them initially so that Mm -hmm. I'm not spending the whole day searching like a scavenger hunt. (laughs) Um, Beyond that, it's, uh, you know, just making sure that all the uh, social networks are lined up, that everybody's been responded to is asking questions back and forth, that Anybody who needs pre-orders is getting them. Call everybody who's got orders that just came in. And then uh, from there, it's just kind of a hurry up and wait. (laughs) Doors are open, just waiting for the first customer to come through and say hi. Yep, just kind of do the retail thing and wait for folks to pop in. Get a lot of new people in the area that don't usually know we're there, so it's kind of expecting people that don't know who I am to come through the door. (laughs) I guess that's a pretty common thing for the first year. Mm-hmm. everyone's going to be, oh, this is new. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, you mentioned distributors at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And one thing that uh, I would imagine most Magic players or even just people who may not have been in the game business before, if they had the idea to open their own store, they need to find a distributor themselves, right? They need to yeah. be able to buy wholesale. Mm-hmm. So how did you go about doing that? I think uh, probably four or five months before we 
opened up when we were still looking for space. We uh, you basically just need uh, something like uh, in America, at least the EIN number, uh, sales tax number. Mm-hmm. And then when you have those two, you're basically at least a business. So uh, you can straight up apply to wholesalers and just say, hey, you know, I'm going to be opening up a store soon. I'll give you a real address here in a moment because <laughs> mm-hmm. they want to make sure you actually yeah. exist and you're not just a garage. And uh, then, you know, you just kind of pass along all that info. It's it's not that many forms, actually. That gets it out of the way pretty quick. And they're they're just kind of waiting for money anyway. So they're fine with you setting up. <laughs> yeah, you can prove you exist. It wouldn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, they're getting paid either way, I guess. So yeah. they'll, they'll cut you off eventually if you're not real, but mm-hmm. or if you don't get off the ground. Yeah. So was it just sort of a Google search kind of thing? Were you just wholesale uh, was, game distributors or something? I guess uh, the, that's an interesting question because I didn't really consider that it was difficult to figure out who distributors were because I used to work in the game industry, at least from like, I used to like, pack and ship models as a game developer yeah. to them. So I knew all their names. So uh, you had the inside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ideally, I guess, yeah, uh, you'd be able to Google game store distributor. Uh, you'd need, there's only two or three major ones. Uh, Alliance handles probably 70% of the world's game needs. Diamond handles all the world's comics needs and they're combined with them. And ACD is their competitor, basically. Perfect. So you can kind of get through those three. Um, and if you need war games, uh, there's little ones out there that exist pretty handily. <laughs> cool. That'll take care of all your needs, I guess. Yeah. All right. So what excites you about working in the game industry? Well, the game store business. Yes, yes the game Not just store. the game industry. <laughs> uh, it's trying to... One thing that always comes back to me is usually finding people that... Uh, are just kind of into games. They're they're idea okay with the idea. You know, mm-hmm. like I've had a few folks, like a couple that's are in kind of magic related discussion anyway, uh, that they'd shopped at another store and uh, somehow they'd got sold like a magic pack that was already open, mm-hmm. which is awful. And uh, mm-hmm. they came over and they were, you know, just joking and snarky and kind of bouncing back and forth as a couple about, you know, oh, these packs are sealed and whatever. <laughs> Oh, they're good prices. Oh, you have everything inventory. That's nice. And they're like, we just like magic. We want to play with each other. You know, we'd want to come to a store that we can agree with. Mm-hmm. And, it was, and I'd be able to, you know, they were like, we don't really understand everything. So, you know, being able to sit down with them and like just watch them play a game and show them kind of what the interactions are, what they're doing wrong, what they're doing right, and get them really excited about winning with their deck is always fun just because like people think, Oh, I'm just terrible at this. I'm not going to get it right. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to get killed, whatever. Yeah. And you know, to sit down and actually get them off the ground and show them combinations that they don't expect is it just gets them excited about the game, which gets me excited that they're really enjoying what they're doing, you know? Yeah. So it's the, the whole customer experience. Yeah. Interact with somebody who's having a lot of fun and mm-hmm. being responsible with, for that. Yeah, being kind of the progenitor of successing that kind of game forward, you know, because even yeah. something big like Magic, I mean, everybody plays it, but somebody has to actually give it to the person. <laughs> yeah, everyone starts it as a new player at some point. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay, so you're a year in to running Adventure Quarters. What uh, tips would you give to somebody if one of your customers, say, you thought what you were doing was really cool and they wanted to open their own, they had 
their own idea for a game store, what would you tell them? <laughs> Not that they're going to compete with you or anything. Yeah. Ideally, I, right? I've actually had quite a few people pop in going with that same idea. Mm-hmm. I usually tell them to make sure that they have enough income to start because, and then double that, honestly. Um, number I told you earlier was a nice number, but yeah. if I had twice as much, that would have been great. <laughs> So if you somehow have a pile of money lying around, just throw it at a game store. Uh, yeah. <laughs> beyond that, uh, diversifying over all else. If you if you're only selling one thing, you're probably not going to live forever. I've I've only been open a year, but since I've been here, two other game stores have gone out of business. How uh, long were they open? Uh, one of them was open probably ten months, and the other was open like two years. But getting a game store past the two or three year mark is really difficult, like uh, statistically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just selling everything you can and only selling what your particular market needs is essential. So, if you open up with a cool concept, like that's great. You better make sure that wherever you're opening has actual demand for it. Because gamers are everywhere, but they're in a very specific everywhere. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. some good advice. Yeah. So the uh, diversify is very important. Yes. A, a unique selling point, right? Something that's uh, something mm-hmm. that sets you apart. I noticed on your uh, your blog that you're thinking or you're going through the process of getting a uh, wine and liquor license. Yeah, uh, that's uh, essential for me at least because every store in Seattle that I came from has beer and liquor (laughs) so having that in colorado because no one else does is essential because it'll help me stand out for one Mm -hmm. Uh, but also because uh like 95 percent of gamers that are you know buyers purchasers of anything are over 21 and they just want to hang out with their friends and drink (laughs) have you found that the the average age of your customer has actually gone up definitely um i think with the past kind of decade of tabletop revolution and with magic becoming as popular and easily accessible as it is. I mean, it's the average age is definitely closer to like 28 or 25. There's a lot of older folks. There's a lot of younger folks. I mean, really the the only people that are teenagers are for like D and D and occasionally magic. And there's only like 10 or 12 of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You mentioned Facebook, you mentioned Twitter. So what other tools do you use during during the day that uh, are like critical to your business? <laughs> uh, it's I mean the easiest one is always synced Gmail accounts because I handle like three or four business accounts of AQ put together. So getting all those kind of sent to the same location is pretty important. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, Facebook has a lot of potential to it, and if you're always on it, uh, it's pretty easy for that yelp is okay yeah how have you uh felt about yelp because the previous store i talked to they were not a fan yeah i'm i have uh i know kind of the lesson going in from my former coder of uh if you ever pay for anything with yelp and then stop they will cut you off pretty hardcore so i just continue to not pay them anything and just have a page and that works okay <laughs> but have uh, you noticed them advertising your competitors because apparently so. that's a thing yes they will put your competitors right above your like mm-hmm. first comments i believe and uh 
I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really noticed it just because most stores in the area have a terrible Facebook presence or mm-hmm. online presence in general. Okay. So, uh, I guess one of the other tools may be like your, like you said before, your point of sale, your the software you use to set up your inventory and that mm-hmm. syncs with TCG Player. Why yeah. well, yeah, the- I assume that was part of the plan, like you said before. How did you decide on that one specifically? And which think, one is it? Uh, Crystal Commerce mm-hmm. is the name of it. Uh, I think I found out about their name from a former game store I used to frequent, uh, Reagan Lounge out in Seattle. And they they used it. Uh, they didn't actually use it to its full potential, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they didn't inventory really anything. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> But I guess they learned about it at least, and uh, that helped me out. So we contacted them and got an account set up, and they, they're kind of an inclusive thing because they, they built our website, they synced our POS software, and they, they have like import categories for every type of game imaginable. They, they sync over to Amazon, eBay, uh, TCG, all at the same time. And if you're looking up Magic Cards, it actually shows like the current average and high market prices on each card as well. Sounds powerful. Yeah, it's it's really handy, and it honestly, as a uh, a, a guy who owns a game store, I've only played Magic for like a year or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. So having like continuous price influxes to figure out why things are going up and down, and actually being able to see what editions I'm looking at for those prices is s- super powerful for me. <laughs> so is that something you'd recommend for somebody who wanted to start up to really consider Crystal Commerce as their option? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of integration, it's it's just a lot easier to work with. Otherwise, you got to set up a whole bunch of different systems. And if everything's integrated, you'll save yourself a lot of heartache. Because, I mean, uh, most game stores, uh, I follow a lot of other game store owners and try to see what they're up to. And they talk back and forth just kind of with each other to figure out ideas. A lot of folks use QuickBooks because mm-hmm. that's kind of the business standard of retail. Or just basic uh, inventory software and that. It's okay if you get everything price marked, but it's just so much work. You might as well just do it all digitally because, I mean, that's where the future's going anyway. Mm-hmm. You've been open for just a little over a year. Did you have trouble finding your first customer and getting some, some footsteps in the door, some traction? Uh, yeah, thinking back on it, our first month was pretty terrible. Mm. <laughs> it was uh, a little tricky. I don't, it's hard to know exactly how, uh, how things like this get off the ground. It's always a little shocking for me when I'm like, oh, people actually come here all the time and they know about us. And it's it's weird when you're a retail store to realize that people know about you somehow, (laughs) even though I'm out there advertising all the time, it's still always a little surprising. I mean, uh, I think our first month is bad and our, we did a, we tried to ramp up for a grand opening uh, 30 days in. And Mm -hmm. I think, that helped get us off the ground and more people knowing about us than normal. Having a big event kind of thing to get everyone pumped that a new store is opening. Yeah, especially. Yeah. I mean, it was, I think, you know, we got like the chamber of commerce, the mayor cutting ribbons and got like some stormtroopers swinging by, you Mm -hmm. know, very cool. just, you know, making it a kind of unique thing that I think was just big enough that, you know, got some people out there to know we were there. That's a good idea. So you mentioned uh, advertising. What do you do? Like how much do you uh, go with print? Like do you advertise in magazines? Do you do it in the local newspaper? 
or are you more like online stuff? It's pretty exclusively online. Uh, when I do pay for it, it's occasionally just through Facebook, just to like boost an event or uh, just to get some hard likes for the actual page that we are on. Because I mean, in under a year, I've got like almost twelve hundred likes, I think, on our page, which mm-hmm. is getting up there to be better than any other store in the area, which is something at least. So that's usually the only benchmark I can spot. <laughs> uh, print doesn't seem to work too well. Unless you're a really big store, there's kind of no reason to run print. Uh, I I have a bunch of flyers that I usually just kind of pass around to. We do game nights at local bars to kind of meet new folks. So I, I leave a lot of flyers there. Interesting. Uh, anyone I speak to in the store, I usually hand them a flyer because I keep our Facebook and website updated all the time. So I can kind of use that as a talking point. And uh, especially for Magic players, I mean, they can browse my entire inventory online and then order it to pick up in the store. So it's kind of an easy selling point for them because most of them are used to going to a store and picking through boxes or just Mm -hmm. hoping that they have something and that they know it's there. Do you have a terrible customer service story? Is there, have you ever had anyone come in and just start doing horrible things that you had to deal with? Uh, I, I get a lot of little kids occasionally because being in a kind of frequented areas, they're Usually it's that. It's usually uh, terrible stories come down to uh, more like folks that are almost regulars that uh, they just happen to have their own niche cliche kind of group that they play with. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, the second a customer comes in who I start talking to, they try to walk across the room, chime in, and then, you know, will casually tell them that it's either a crappy game or that they need to buy it online or something. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> why are you in my store right now? Why are you to, to leave. Yeah, why are you talking to them and why are you telling them to go somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Is that normally, like, is that every player that comes in or is that magic players or is it specific to a certain group that does that often? It's typically, uh, I mean, the, uh, one thing to know is, you know, folks get into the game industry is usually that board gamers, they're a great bunch who will keep your store alive, but they're, there's always half of them that might not ever need to purchase anything because they'd rather get it at a thrift store or online for 50% off miraculously or what have you. Mm-hmm. They're all about finding the right deal. And I think that's, that's usually the folks that'll bring it up. Magic players, it's uh, I don't really worry about because I have the cheapest prices in 20 mile radius. So yeah, they so can't already really win that fight. <laughs> yeah. They can't usually compete with that. So how do you find the right customer? Right? Like, so you've got give or take half of the people who will come in and use your space mm-hmm. and, you know, enjoy your store and your atmosphere and talk to your, your other customers. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other half that'll actually come in and spend money. Yep. And those are the ones that are keeping your store alive. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do you, uh, how do you create an atmosphere that brings in the ones that want to spend money. Uh, probably comes back a little bit to, well, one being able to order in stuff in a timely fashion. Uh, I've heard a lot of horror stories from folks trying to pre-order a game that they don't have in stock from another like, game store, and it takes you know months to get in. So they're just you know not confident that their money is being well spent. So being able to turn it around in you know fourteen days at least. To be like, hey, you're looking for that? I will get it in for you immediately because I 
want you to get what you want from me, not from mm-hmm. online. And, uh, you know, most of them are on board with that concept. Uh, other, otherwise, it's a lot about carrying everything. So I try to kind of live on things like Board Game Geek and find what the new best game is going to be. You know, try to find a way to get a couple in and making sure that I have like you know, one or two copies of any game, but that I have at least 100 or 200 games in stock. That way, when they, a gamer who's a real like mm. aficionado of games comes in, they're kind of like, oh, I've got most of these games, but these interest me. These are new and cool. Like, what are these about? And being able mm. to actually engage with them on a level that isn't just, it's a cool game. <laughs> uh, Do you to know make every the, game you have? Have you had personal uh, I, experience with pretty much all of them? I've at least usually watched, uh, if I haven't played it, I've watched a video of other people playing it. And if I haven't watched a video of people playing it, then I've usually read at least an article review describing the entire thing. Mm. And then I can compare it to another game that I've already played usually. So I try to have at least some entry point into the games. So, I mean, more than 99% of them, I have some relevant connection to either from a salesman point or from an actual gameplay point. Okay. So you, it, that's really important to you then, right? To have a really in-depth knowledge of your product and that helps you sell it to the customers and make sure that they're going to get the experience that they're looking for. Yeah. That's kind of the essential way to get people that are especially like really into gaming. Uh, you don't want to sell them a crappy game because they're never going to come back to you and trust you. Mm, exactly. <laughs> and you want to at least know that you told them everything you could, so that even if they don't like it, it's kind of on them more than it's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, just maybe it wasn't their style. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, do you have a favorite customer story? Like anything, a particular customer that just made your day? <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is usually just is uh, a little like family, I guess, uh, father and his mother, and his son plays magic, and he's probably like 10 or 11, mm-hmm. and he brings in his, uh, his sister with him, and she's probably like four or five, and they, they come in literally every magic Friday, they come in around four before we even start the tournament, and they'll just hang out and try to get some games in with some random people or with me for, you know, an hour or two at a time, and uh, I think at some point, I barely remember what I what I did for him at this point, I was probably just being helpful. Mm-hmm. But at some point, he had a uh, he brought in some cookies or something that his mom made and handed over like a little thank you letter with him and his sister's signature on it. And it was just like, "Thanks for helping me learn magic or whatever." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Huh, all right, I guess that's cool." Mm-hmm. I was just kind of doing my job. That wasn't a big deal, you know. Now every time I see him, you know, we try to do something extra for him, go the extra mile. So like we, we went to Denver Comic Con and we had two extra tickets. So we tried to bring him in for a day and we had him out there handing out flyers to people that were walking by and, you know, just having a good time and getting to walk around and see all the cool sights. So that's very cool, heartwarming. <laughs> yes, just doing your job and making that kind of an impact on somebody. If you had uh, the opportunity to go back in time, say one year, two months, just mm-hmm. before you decided to open the store in the process of it, is there anything you'd do differently? Knowing what you know now, would you change the way things were? Uh, yes, I guess I would. Mm-hmm. How so? <laughs> and, uh, there's a I think it's kind of hard to do right when you open, but uh, if you can get on terms with your distributors, then you'd have to pay them 30 days later mm-hmm. instead of right away. Uh, that's actually really handy because I'm, 
I've been doing that in the last like six months, and that is significantly easier to make orders because <laughs> you can pay them off after you know like a bill. After you sell them, yeah, you get in what you need, you sell it, then you pay them off and with a check in the mail, and you're feeling fine about it because uh, paying people off initially is really difficult as a store because you don't usually have much income initially. <laughs> yeah, normally. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that that especially makes it a, something I would definitely do. Uh, not carrying certain games, uh, horror games, crappy games that I've just seen sit on the shelf for a year, because that's always a risk. <laughs> especially if uh, you're in a well frequented area, having a uh, somebody described it as bait, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like uh, game store has usually like a bait shelf, which is a shelf that's near the front door, and it is full of Monopoly, Battleship, Risk, Axis and Allies, Settlers of Catan, and that style of game. And the entire shelf is just that. Mm-hmm. And having that shelf uh, more fruitfully filled with just those kinds of games, I think, would be ideal to open up. Because uh, it's one of those things you just you should probably have. Because somebody's come in your store who doesn't know anything that you do, but is going to look at that shelf and is going to want something. <laughs> More of the uh, layman game, right? Yeah. Just somebody the, who's not really that into it, maybe introduce yeah. them to it. Yeah, typically it's... If you the, like Monopoly, you will really like this <laughs> one over here, actually. It's far more complex and interesting. <laughs> exactly. Cool. It's usually the 50-year-old woman that wanders in. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Monopoly. Yep. Tell the listeners where we can find you or your business online and give yourself a plug. Sure. Uh, you can check out Adventurers Quarter at adventurersquarter.com or at uh, Facebook slash Denver Game Store, where it's kind of the only one there. Hmm. And uh, everything on our website should sync directly over to TCG. So if you're looking for singles, uh, it, same name, same place. Definitely buy from you then, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, thank you, Jacob, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Thomas. Yeah, no problem. I hope you enjoyed that show. If you're looking for more about game store entrepreneurship and the magic community, check out ManiverseSaga.com. Home of the Maniverse podcast, this is where we talk about tips and tactics you can use to grow your local community and your business. From there, you can find out more about Maniverse.com and sign up to get early access as a beta tester. We're currently looking for game store owners and magic players to help work out the kinks and give some honest feedback about what we see as the best tool to take magic into the future. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Maniverse podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Sharing this episode is also a great way to help the show. Every reviewer will get a shout-out on an upcoming episode, and as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.